Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 82 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Steve Von Till from Neurosis discusses his first band, and I recommend the Philly band Mothman and the Thunderbirds. Before that, I welcome my first three-peat guest in Robin Stapps from The Ocean. On September 25th, The Ocean will be releasing... On September 25th, The Ocean are releasing Phanerozoic 2, Mesozoic, Cenozoic, which is the follow-up to my favorite album of 2018, Phanerozoic 1, Paleozoic. Robin came on to discuss the new album, collaborations, how they tweak the instrumental versions of their most recent albums, non-COVID-related setbacks that 2020 gave them, and a lot more. So before we kick off my chat with Robin Stapps, here's some of the lead single Jurassic Cretaceous from the upcoming Phanerozoic 2 album. I don't have my headset with me, but I hope the quality will be sufficient. Yeah, this is this is fine. I've had I've had better ever worse, you know. It's it's uh we're in a weird time as far as audio recordings go. I feel like people are being a little more forgiving with podcasts these days, which is which is nice for my little DIY setup. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh how has your uh your life in COVID been as of late? Cuz uh from what the chart show me Europe's on the on you know, better things, but over here it's not so hot. Well, it's been a weird time, I guess, as for everyone. Um, I was uh, stuck in Berlin, where it hasn't been as bad as in other places of the world, I believe. Um, but yeah, we were all surprised by it and just had about like two or three weeks of uh, lockdown. But it wasn't entirely strict. Like we could still go out and buy groceries normally in the streets. It wasn't like in Italy. Um, so... Yeah, it's been a it's been a weird time, but also good for me personally. Like I had time to focus on other things that I would have otherwise never gotten around to do. Um, it was a creative time as well, and um, started a lot of projects with with a label um, that otherwise just wouldn't have happened. And also, I have to say that if this COVID thing had not happened this year, uh, we would have been knocked out anyways. Our bass player has a, a disease on his fingers so he uh he basically couldn't play for several months and he's only now uh getting better again and our singer had uh, surgery to his ear recently as well so it kind of happened at the right time i have to say you know otherwise we would have had to cancel a lot of things from our end and that way things were canceled on us and um i i think it it all happened uh (laughs) for a reason like that uh we've had a South America tour canceled with the ocean uh, in May, so that sucked, but it was still at a point when we had not booked flights yet, so we could kind of just still postpone it until whenever it's going to be possible again to do that. So I, th- I guess we were pretty lucky overall. What sort of disease only hit your hand? Sorry, sorry, I know that like of all the things that you said, that's the thing I'm focused on because I'm a bass player and like now I'm terrified oh, yeah. my fingers are going to get sick. 
It's a case of uh, psoriasis. It's a skin disease. Okay. Um, I, my dad had it when he was 20, and it was really brutal as well. He, he had to like take all these baths with like uh, dead sea salt treatments and things like that. I wasn't aware that it can particularly attack your fingers, but apparently that's what happened to our bass player, and he hasn't really been able to move his fingers for some time, and uh, it was impossible for him to play. So, um, yeah, never heard of anything like that, and it happened like right the moment that uh, the virus came. <laughs> so it it was a really weird year for us. Damn. Well, that that's a shame. Like across the board, uh, you said you've been like catching up on some things that you normally wouldn't be able to otherwise what have those sort of things been like i'm imagining gardening a lot of gardening exactly and that's why <laughs> that seems to be a constant with people that. i'm talking to people <laughs> like gardening right now yeah no I, I really i did really get into plants uh, that i never really had a passion before in my life but yeah that was one thing um other than that we started um we started a coffee project with pelagic records I saw so that. the idea yeah, it's, uh, we haven't we haven't really announced or promoted it yet uh, because we're not really there yet. We just decided to put the Ocean Coffee in the shop now that we started the Ocean pre-order because it made sense to have that available. But the idea is basically to create coffee blends um, that are kind of like uh, custom made for the bands according to their music. And we're collaborating with the Rosta from Berlin who's been doing that for 50 years basically. And we really sent him tracks of the bands and had him uh, be inspired by that and then present us uh, blends, so different mixes of coffee beans that would reflect the music of, of those bands. And it's surprising how well it works. We had a blind tasting um, where we went over with a bunch of friends and we recognized instantly which one was the Ocean Coffee and uh, the other band's coffee that I can't really tell you yet okay. <laughs> what band because it hasn't been announced yet. But yeah, it's it, it's, it really works well and uh, that's something I've been wanting to do for a while um, and um, it, that was very time consuming to start that. So that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this slowing down because of Corona. And uh, how do you typically take your coffee? I like it the Italian way, uh, either like a straight up espresso or a cappuccino or um, yeah, like a milk based coffee drink, basically. Okay. But I like strong. I like strong coffee. The ocean coffee is pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely like a wake up call, um, and uh, yeah, but it's 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 very tasty. It has a it has a, has a relatively high robusta percentage in it, but it's it also has this long lingering aroma on the tongue, and it's it's wonderful. It's a really good drink. I feel like every band under the sun is doing their own thing with like doing a band beer. Uh, what made you guys decide to go coffee instead of beer? Or did, is there a beer that I missed somehow? The beer hasn't happened yet. Oh, um, yes. I'm also personally. Uh, for us, I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I know most bands have their own, uh, their own beer. Um, I'm not a huge beer drinker, to be honest. I'm more interested in coffee personally, and I do like alcohol, but beer is not my favorite drink. So that's why I personally haven't really pursued that, I guess. But I mean, I, I do like good craft beer from time to time. It's just not something I drink every day. I'm more into wine and uh, booze. <laughs> I could see an ocean wine. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for one, I gathered from some interviews of yours that I read, uh, you wind up getting a lot of inspiration from traveling. Uh, since you're, you know, stuck at home right now, um, how has that affected your writing? Like, can fans expect your next album to be more about plants or about household objects or something? 
to be quite fair, I'm not at home right now. I okay. am at the, uh, I managed to escape to Spain, but only a couple of days ago, uh, where we have a little studio space close to the sea. And this is also the place where we wrote uh, the Fenrozoic albums and Pelagial. So this is the place where I always write. And I only got here a few days ago, but I'm getting into the into the zone now and brought my guitar and very likely I'm going to uh, start writing some music. It's been a long time that I haven't done that. Cool. Uh, lyrically, I noticed that you balance scientific exploration of you know Earth and life and everything with sort of introspective stuff. Has this approach been difficult for you sorting out something in your life while essentially requiring yourself to discuss an era in time? I'm sorry, I, di I didn't get that. Uh, so like your, li your lyrics, like um, title-wise, like they'll reference an era in time, but they if you look at the actual lyrics, that you can see them as sort of more of a, a personal introspective sort of thing about life yeah. in general. How have you... Has it been difficult to balance discussing like world history and still having a bit of yourself in there? Well, we're not really discussing world history or, or Earth's history in the lyrics directly. There, there are references in terms of metaphors and, uh, and certain parallels that we draw, but the lyrics are always always essentially from the human perspective, obviously. Otherwise, it, it, it would make sense to write about uh, stones or dinosaurs <laughs> so um uh, yeah no there's always like this this meta level to the lyrics of the records there's like the the um paleontological level that goes through the, the song titles and the artwork and uh, also partially through the lyrics but then the actual lyrics are from an from a human perspective and they're dealing with personal experiences i've uh, had in my life and uh are are kind of like woven into the fabric of this uh, paleontological construct so to speak so um, in the case of this record, uh, the, the red thread that goes through it is the idea of eternal recurrence. Um, it's basically the idea that things happen over and over again in infinite time and space, and that time is uh, more to be conceived of as a loop rather than a cyclical, like a line to connect the dots. And you will find uh, that tying in with the Fenrozoic concept because there's a lot of evidence for that throughout the Fenerozoic where uh, you can see uh, that, that that this this could be true or this could have happened actually you know continents have drifted apart and collided and drifted apart again and we've seen uh, the total destruction of life and the resurgence of it afterwards several times long before humanity ever uh, appeared on the map basically and so there's lots of hints at this uh, this idea of eternal recurrence, that the thing, same things happen over and over again. So this is like the larger context of it, but then obviously you can also apply that to your own personal life experiences and uh, just certain things that keep recurring and, and happening over and over again. And, uh, and um, yeah, this is kind of like the, the two streaks that go through the record, basically. And just considering what you just said and the timing of everything going on right now, isn't it a little weird that that's coming up on, well, it's, we're about 100 years removed from the last big plague that fucked up humanity, and we're getting ourselves in one now, and you're talking about cyclical life and mass extinction. It's a little little unsettling. How, how are you sitting with that as a art creator? <laughs> 
I'm sorry, you were cutting out there. Can you repeat the beginning again? Uh, with, you know, we're 100 years removed from the last big plague that messed up humanity. And you were talking about cyclical happenings throughout time. Yeah. Is that weird now that, like, you're about to drop an album with that sort of theme for you? Because you were like... Oh, in the high high days of Corona, yeah, that's that's a coincidence, right? That's that's kind of weird. I mean, I <laughs> just you, I just yeah. talked to the guy, one of the guys from Haken, who they're dropping an album called Virus that was named that for you know several sure. several years. So I, it's yeah. it's interesting that metal this keeps coming up in metal. Yeah, there you go. That's eternal recurrence, exactly. Uh, it's certainly not the first time that this has happened or anything like that has has happened. Uh, it's just that we're always so. Um, focused on the, the things we can assign meaning to from our own life or history you know it's even difficult for us to to imagine something that our grandparents have experienced just because we haven't experienced it ourselves but this is certainly not the first time that humanity is being hit by a virus and this is a very mild one compared to what happened like you said just a hundred years ago actually um was not there a virus <laughs> let's call it a, a disease yeah was there any hesitation in dropping the album right now? Because I've seen a lot of bands delaying for various reasons. Yeah. Um, but you guys still dropping in September, I mean, as of right now. But how's that been? Well, we've been discussing it back and forth. Um, of course, there was hesitation. Um, it's it's an odd time to release a record without being able to tour on it instantly. And um, this summer has been like really odd in many ways. Um, not only because there is nothing happening, but because of the fact that there is nothing happening in terms of live gigs, that also means that there is more attention than you would normally get in the summer. You know, like um, normally you wouldn't want to release a record in, in July or in August or do any press for it because everyone's on holidays. Now this year it's kind of different because there is nothing happening and people are still sitting at home in uh, most parts of the world. and. You, I think you, you can actually get more attention now than you would nor normally get. So I think there's benefits to it with regards to releasing an album, but obviously there is also the detrimental aspects of just not being able to tour on it instantly. Um, we decided that we want to release now regardless because the album is done and we feel like we just want to have it out. And, um, and um, there's other things you can do. We're looking into the... Uh, possibility of doing a, a live stream which we're certainly not the first band that will do that but i think it's uh, you know playing the record in its entirety and putting up a really good production and filming it in a really nice uh, way would be something that i think would be really rewarding for us and also for for our fans so that's something we want to do and then we have a tour book starting in january uh 2021 fingers crossed things will be possible uh again by that time in Europe it's looking like that but nobody really knows right now so um, yeah we've been discussing it back and forth but in the end we just decided to do it because I I also think that a lot of releases and tours have been postponed this year obviously but nobody is really thinking about what that means for that period in 2021 or whenever that everything is being postponed into that's going to be an absolute clusterfuck of hundreds of bands wanting to release albums and tour all at the same time and i just don't think that we would have done ourselves a favor by postponing to 2021 it's going to be so overloaded with uh, releases and tours that um I, I think it's beneficial to release a record now when 
you know, it's still kind of quiet. And uh, like I said, you will get a lot of extra attention just because people are sitting at home bored and hungry for music. It's funny that you mentioned the the clusterfuck of tours because I was talking to my wife recently and like, you know, I've had every couple dozen shows postponed to next year indefinitely. But if everything goes as planned and things are okay in 2021, I've got an entire year worth of shows that's already booked for me that I have paid for. So that's honestly a savings. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be super busy last year, uh, next year. And, uh, I don't know. It just feels good to have the record already done, you know. And then obviously we still want. We also want to be part of that clusterfuck of touring next year. But um, I also think it's good when people have the chance to digest the record a bit because it is a bit of a a big piece to digest. (laughs) And uh, I don't like to tour only like two or three weeks after the album release when people are not really familiar with the material yet. It's better to have a, a little more time in between the album release and, and the tour actually. So that's possible now and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. One the, one of the last times I saw you guys, you played Pelagial in its entirety um, in San Francisco and I'd sat with the record for maybe a year and that felt like the perfect amount of time just to know all the ins and outs and like kind of yeah. anticipate changes. So I, I totally get that. Like, I don't know if you're planning a, another full album run on this one, but I could like, Yeah. We have, we haven't really uh, talked about it. Exactly. We pretty much already played the first half more or less in its entirety. There was one track we haven't played live yet, but that would be quick to do. So, yeah, that's something we're we're going to look into at one point for sure. Phanerozoic 1, that was some of Cambrian 2, Eternal Recurrence. I'll have more with Robin from the ocean shortly, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Steve Von Till from Neurosis discusses his heavy origins. Uh, this be like first band that I ever played in, or first band I created? Uh... I like to think of it as the first time that you thought you were in a band, and like looking back, you probably weren't really. The first time you gave something a name, you and some friends got together in a room, you, you know, played like three covers, and you're like, ugh, this isn't working. And then you actually moved on to, you know, actual touring show bands. Okay. Or whichever well, one you feel is, is more fun. Well, I, yeah, I think the my first time playing guitar with other people was in high school. An older kid had a band, and he was like a really kind of shredder, ripping guitar player kind of guy and I, I was his rhythm guitarist and we did like Michael Schenker and UFO Van Halen that kind of stuff yeah um, and uh, I forget what what so, so that was just covers like that and that was uh, it had a different name every time we played somebody's party what was when you what was your favorite of the names uh, oh there was no favorites they were oh. all equally horrible <laughs> I believe one was lunacy, and I, I think it actually was Stonehenge once, which is, you know, hey, 
I mean, I only think Spinal Tap when I think Stonehenge now. So, and I've been there. Right, and and I and I yeah, um, but I still have Stonehenge as a desktop image on my computer. So it's you know, a, hey, it's a background uh, on my phone. Then my first uh, first real band where I was writing songs and stuff was called Transgressor, and it was uh, it, what you would expect to happen in the Bay Area in 1986 when punk and metal were crossing. It was something between you know, DRI or Slayer and all that kind of crossover. Reach for the infinite Wilderness inside out Earlier this month, Steve released the album No Wilderness Deep Enough and the book Harvest Man 23 Poems and Collected Lyrics. Find them both over at vontill.org and listen to Steve and I talk about them both back on episode 80 of Far Beyond Metal, which you can find at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. Now, before I wrap my conversation with Robin from the Ocean, here are some of the wish and dreams from the Ocean's perfect album, Pelagial. For the new record, I thought it was kind of a ballsy move going with a 13-minute song as your lead single of sorts. What made you guys decide to go with Jurassic as the first song from the album? Um, it's a, it's a, it's one of the craziest tracks I think I, I wrote so far. I, I spent a lot of time on that, and it was one of those tracks that was never really finished, but at the same time that I always had the motivation to go back to and keep working on it. And then I eventually managed to bring it into a shape that I was satisfied with. And then uh, when it was done, it felt like it's it's really like a track that represents this record, not only this record, but this band, like every aspect of it. And um, it is a long piece of music, but we kind of just wanted to throw this out there as it is and, uh, and to do so early again, so that people have some time to actually digest it. Um, it's maybe a bold move to throw that out as a first single. There, there was uh, some opinions in our camp and on behalf of our label as well that wanted to throw out a shorter track that is easier to digest. But I just feel that this song, yeah, like I said, sums up everything that this band is about somehow. And um, again, people are sitting at home bored. So, you know, there, there you have something to, to digest for a while. <laughs> and you've got uh, Jonas from Catatonia on this track again. Uh, like I, we discussed a bit earlier, your concepts for your albums can be pretty heady. Um, do you wind up having to sit down with your guests or collaborators that you have come in for one time and explain entire albums to them and they just seem gobsmacked by the whole thing? Um, 
that can happen, but in this case, it was a really spontaneous collaboration, actually. Um, so I basically just cut it down to the basics for Jonas and uh, and then let him give it a go at uh, writing his own lyrics for the parts that he sang within the constraints of the whole um, album concept, obviously. But he managed to do, to do that pretty well. But I didn't have to give him a full-fledged paleontology uh, <laughs> before I gave the song to him you know it also there was something that happened on tour um, basically the all the vocals for the record were already finished including Jurassic Cretaceous without Jonas and then what happened was that our, our synth guy uh, couldn't join the tour that we did with Leprous last November he had to stay at home and he was still working on synths for the record and then he came up with a new part for that song that kind of didn't work with the existing guitars and Luik's vocals but we loved that new synth part, this arpeggio synth part. Everybody loved it. And so we were like, oh, all right, let's re-record the vocals. And that's when the idea came in. Let's just send it to Jonas to see what he can do with it. Um, one thing, because we wanted to have him on the record again, um, it was really cool to to do that the first time around. But the other thing also, because we were on tour and we didn't really have uh, the ability to, to record and the deadline was sitting in our necks, like right after the end of the tour, we went to to mix the record so that's how this whole thing happened it was very spontaneous and i just sent Jonas the part and uh, and told him what, <laughs> what the situation and uh, yeah he got back to us like three or four days later with his take on the part and it's it worked out really really well so that's how that happened uh you mentioned the week and that may that reminded me of something that i thought was interesting about the last few albums uh, the last three albums, at least, have had deluxe editions that include an instrumental version of the albums. Does that make Luik sad? No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would probably if that was the only reason, uh, the, the only version of the album available. <laughs> people have a choice. And uh, I always like to have the the option to go to back to the instrumental versions, even when I really like the vocalist of a band. I don't think this is discrediting Luik in any way. Um, there's just a different charm to instrumental music and um when i'm working a lot of times i just i don't want to listen to vocals it's <laughs> so it's nice to have both versions you know and people can take their can take their choice but uh to be fair the vocal versions still sell a lot better than the instrumental versions if, if we didn't make them available as part of our packages then um the vocal versions would be definitely the more popular ones <laughs> And I think that <laughs> as someone that's played instrumental music, my entire career is a strong word, but my entire musical life. Um, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's just it, there's also like it's also really interesting um, what happens when you take the vocals away from a song and everything else stays exactly the same is that there is so much more attention, obviously, on, on everything else in the music that would otherwise go completely unnoticed a lot of times. I, not just with the, the general public, but also with musicians. It, it is like that. Nobody's free from that because we're so conditioned to pay attention to the, to the vocals first and foremost that, yeah, as soon as you take them away, you, you start noticing things in the music that otherwise would just drown in, 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 the, in the vocals. And So that's I, I find that very interesting. It just opens up a new perspective on the same essentially the same music yeah i've i've listened to plagial instrumental just because i was curious one time and i felt like there was other guitar lines that i didn't notice before and all these yeah. like little nuances that like 
Luik does a great job, but like he definitely pulled focus from those little things that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and this time we also added um, more than ever before. I mean, we also did that a little bit with Pelagial, but on this on Fenerozoic two, we did that even more. That we. Um, brought in different instruments in, on the instrumental mixes. There is, for example, um, we recorded with a traditional flute and woodwinds player in Armenia last year on tour for Triassic, the opening track. And uh, it was an amazing session and fit really well, but it was kind of conflicting with the vocals. And during the mix, we had to make a choice and we decided that uh, we had to sacrifice those extra instruments and flutes in favor of the vocals. But on the instrumental version, we brought them back in. So you you also have, like, you actually have different mixes with different parts, different instruments. There's also some some string parts that uh, we took out on the vocals, in, again, to, you know, leave space for them, but that we brought back in on the instrumental version. So it's not just like a psychological trick. There are also actually some different things happening on the instrumental mixes. Very cool. Um, has, over the years of doing the band, you know, you've kind of been a, a collective and it's become more of a constant thing in the last maybe five albums. Um, but, but has there ever been a collaborator or a guest that you tried to bring in where it just didn't work out time-wise? And uh, if so, who? Um, to be honest, we've kind of strayed away a little bit from having uh, a lot of guests on records since... Um, Pretty much since Precambrian, that was the last record where we had a lot of different like vocalists on it, even more on, on Aeolian, the previous record. But then back then the lineup consolidated. That was also with Luigi joining the band. And um, before he joined the band, I thought it was really interesting to have a different vocalist for every track, you know, that would fit the vibe of the track. And then when Luigi joined, I was gearing more towards the approach of really having a charismatic voice that, you know, stays throughout the whole record. So we kind of strayed away from having many guests. The only guests that actually still happened uh, on Pelagial and, um, and on Fenerozoic 1 um, was Thomas, who also guested on Fenerozoic 2 again, former vocalist of Breach. Mm. And, and Jonas, who guested on uh, Fenerozoic 1 and 2, but we didn't really have a lot of other guests. And I didn't, didn't really want to. I wasn't really looking for that. So I'd have to think about um, who I would really like to collaborate with that I haven't done yet. I mean, we've had a lot of people singing on our records. I think I'm kind of done with that. Like it's <laughs> With Jonas, it's, it's been really great, but uh, there's no open wishes at the moment for anyone else. And also, in the end, it kind of seems like it would be a pain in the ass to perform live when once you have like a hundred people on a yeah. on a record. Exactly. I mean, you wind up you in know, like the, Arian territory or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, in the in the realm of scream vocals, um, if you have a good singer who can scream, then he can cover all the different vocal styles in a way um, that you know it it won't be there'll be no shortcoming of like the the deliverance live. But of course, I mean, there was a reason why you chose these different voices in the first place. And then if you can't pull it off live, it is a bit cheap, and, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's part of the reason why we also decided to move away from that and uh, and work with what we have, which is Luik. And he can do anything. And um, every everything else is really just like a, a small, like, uh, small extra here and there. Um, my last question is kind of a, a goofy one, but I spoke with you a number of years ago outside of a, a venue called the Boardwalk near Sacramento. 
I don't expect you to remember. Totally fine if you don't. Um, but oh, I, I, I do remember. I think there was a horrible show on our 2016 tour. Wasn't that like just before election? And like uh, it was in October, right? It was. I think we came from San Diego. Uh, no, we came from. Um, we came from Las Vegas where we played with Napalm Death on Halloween and then we drove up through all the way through Vegas to Sacramento and there was there was a show with like 30 kids maybe yeah um that venue uh has a history of overcrowding the stage with like tons of locals and then putting on the headliner at like 1am and just destroying the oh. crowd uh but yeah it was it was not a terribly populated show i thought your performance was fantastic um I met up with, with you guys and dropped off some Jack and Coke and we were supposed to have a chat and then it got like delayed because I think you're doing laundry. So I, I wound up getting pretty drunk hanging out with Luik, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so then I interviewed you on the, on the bus before the show or I think while North was playing or something. And, um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. and I, I asked like if you had ideas for future concepts and you said everyone is expecting us to go and talk about space next, but we're not going to do it. Have you wavered on that that claim yet? <laughs> no, I have not. Um, You're still like, I'm fuck not... the moon? <laughs> well, I, I haven't really thought about the next steps after this, to be honest. Um, like, Fenrozoic has been in my head for too long. And now that the record is finally coming out, it, there'll be some space to think of the next things. But I, I really, I think I told you that back then as well. Like, I'm not the guy who already has the next five or six records planned out in his head. It's, uh, I, I barely have the time to sit down and write music. I haven't done that in the last two years, literally. <laughs> you know, the tracks that are on Fenerozoic now, they're all finished in, in 2018 already. And um, we started recording the record in January 2018. So by that time, pretty much the record was already written. And since then, I haven't really spent time writing music. I just haven't had the time for it. So it's not that I already have the next five records ready. I, I start thinking about it when, when I get there. But it'll happen for sure. And now that you're hanging out in Spain and you've got your uh, inspiration yeah. pad there, like goofy prog fans like myself are going to start salivating already. So you've planted yeah, this evening us. And you can see the Milky Way at night because there's no light pollution here. It's really pitch black. So there you go. This space is like within reach. It's writing itself. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking with me today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm assuming you're talking to more folks like myself. And uh, I look forward to the new record. Uh, I've, I love the first track and I'm very excited for uh, All Things Ocean coming. So thank you so much. Excellent. Thanks, man. Thanks for your time. All right. You have a good one. Bye. You Bye. Phenerozoic 2, Mesozoic, Cenozoic by The Ocean Collective will be out on September 25th via Metal Blade Records. You can pre-order your copy now at metalblade.com slash theocean or head to theocean.bandcamp.com. 
Now to conclude this episode, I am recommending Mothman and the Thunderbirds. Mothman and the Thunderbirds is actually the sole project of Alex Parkinson. The sound is a mixture of sludge, doom, and stoner metal with lyrics that cover conspiracy theories and cryptozoology. A debut album is still in the works, but on August 18th, Mothman and the Thunderbirds will be releasing the single Nomad. So before the official release of said single, I am honored to present you Nomad by Mothman and the Thunderbirds in its entirety.
Nomad, the lead single from Mothman and the Thunderbirds, will be out on August 18th. You can head over to mothmanandthethunderbirds.bandcamp.com to get it then. Also, follow the project over on Instagram at instagram.com slash mothmanandthethunderbirds. As always, if you'd like to follow the show, head to farbymetalpodcast.com. There you can find all the links to facebook.com slash farbymetal, Instagram at farbymetalpod, Twitter underscore farbymetal, or my email, farbymetaldan at gmail.com. Again, farbymetalpodcast.com. It's easy to remember. Then, of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Meter Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.